inspiration seeks to emerge through me like the colors of a spectrum. Rainbows represent hope and come after rain, which is a source of light. Hello and welcome to episode 608 of Under the Cull of MS. This is another MS wellness episode going through old MS stuff. Out of my files, that was a quote from Leo Lords from a world of yoga. 700 asanas for mindfulness and well-being. All right, let's see here. I accidentally clicked something I shouldn't have. <laughs> okay. I'll just X out of that. That'll be the easiest way to fix that. But yeah, middle of winter. Finally got snow in Wisconsin. Took us till mid-January. Snowmobilers might actually be able to get out this week since we're going to drop down to near zero this weekend. So some people might get to go out and play that don't have destroyed knees and issues with their walking and stuff. But I'd love to go spend a day on the ski hill. Used to be a PSIA professional ski instructor of America instructor in Wisconsin for a few years. Did ski patrol and started out with the basics, chairlift operator, all that stuff. But yeah, it's I miss hanging out at the hill. It's always fun. I gotta say hill in Wisconsin because we don't have mountains. <laughs> Alright, what do we got here? Speaking of winter, we got thing a thing about winter being difficult for people with MS. It's like heat, whether from whether from the weather, exercise, or a hot shower has been linked to blurred vision and temporary worsening of symptoms in people with MS, while heat sensitivity is more commonly reported around 20% of people with MS experience worsening symptoms due to cold temperatures. Heat, MS, heat with my MS is... Linked to, yeah, vision issues, uh, jiggly, wiggly, jello body limbs, uh, weakness of body limbs, uh, fatigue, all that amping, amping, amping up. But a drop in temperature can cause issues with cognition, mobility, vision, balance, and may lead to numb, burning, or tingling sensations and tremors in the body's extremities. Yeah, I get all that, and it's my overall body pain where it feels like every cell in my body, every microbe, every <laughs> it's hard to say, every itty bitty piece of my body feels like it's been beaten and bruised with a baseball bat, and every movement just hurts all the time. But in winter, it gets a lot worse. It increases the pain level. Basically, it goes from summertime, I'd say about an 8 to about 11 in the wintertime. Out of 10. The mobility issues, balance issues, numbness, burning, tingling, all that, yeah, that increases a lot. Um, 
the gate issues start to pick up again because in summer I was starting to feel a little bit more at ease with my gate without using a cane as much as I normally do. I usually always have that cane with me. But this summer, I kind of took a break from it at certain points, certain going into certain places and stuff. If I knew I wasn't going to walk too far till I got to an area where I could sit if I needed to or whatever. And once winter hits, I got to remember to go right back to that thing all the time because it's just between the ground with the snow, the ice, all that, and then my gate just the pain levels being increased, the gate gets harder to make the steps and do the different movements. And yeah, so I got to definitely be careful with that. Uh, it's, it's believed that this happens because the cold affects the speed of messages traveling along nerves, which makes complete sense. I can see that. And Cold sensitivity in MS could occur due to an MS lesion in the part of the brain that affects the body temperature. So I really wish I could find someone that could explain my lesions to me. I've I've asked now what I've had. One, two, three, four, five, six, at least seven neurologists or MS neurologists. And not a single one will explain where my lesions are, what they affect from that part of the brain and spine. And it's like, I've been doing research on myself, trying to figure things out. I got medical books I've been picking up when I find them at like St. Vincent de Paul or Goodwill or rummage sales or something. I see any type of medical, I grab it just so I can learn more and more about my condition since doctors for some reason don't care to share with us <laughs> at least mine <laughs> i got bad luck with doctors actually telling me what the hell's going on but <clears throat> gotta do what you gotta do all right how to prepare for winter uh find someone to help with snow removal and investing in a remote starter for your car and make sure it's working at the start of winter uh, I, my wife does most of basic sidewalk shoveling and getting stuff away from the garage. Other than that, I have the snowplow guy that takes care of everything. And then I go out and shovel every year now and then, but I get yelled at, so I usually do it when the wife's not around. <laughs> or at least try to do it at least a little bit. Make it a little easier on her. If I know it's going to be a heavier snow, at least after it's been snowing for a little bit, at least scrape the light layer off just so it doesn't pile up and get all wet and heavy. Because she could have problems too. And it's not good good on the heart lifting that heavy snow when it's got wetness underneath it, which is the only snow we've seen so far this year. They say it's good to have a warm car to get into, which I agree, but it's also high risk this day and age with those remote starts, even if your car is locked. I mean, you break a window, you hop in, the car started, you can drive it. If you don't have a key, you're not going to be able to start it again unless you can hotwire it. But at least they can steal it at that point and 
run around with it and the way these kids are lately it's every day we got another car accident from reckless driving because they're racing vehicles around if they can steal a vehicle to race and crash yeah they're gonna i do not suggest remote starts good and if you have <clears throat> be smart about it too and i haven't heard any incidents yet but i could see someone doing this using their remote start while their car's in the garage and not thinking about not having the garage door open and the fumes are pumping through the garage and into the house and then they go out there and pass out and die from carbon monoxide poisoning that's one thing you should watch out with I, could be pretty dangerous with a remote start because even though a car's in the garage, it's still cold and it still takes a good five, ten minutes to warm up before it starts blowing warm heat. But yeah, be careful with that type of stuff. Uh, wear layers of clothes to help regulate your body temperatures, thermal socks, and underwear are great for that. As are electric blankets. You can't wear electric blankets when you're walking around outside. Um, and if you overdo the weight of the clothes, I know weighted stuff can help with certain MS issues. I like a weighted blanket atmosphere in my bed at certain times, uh, unless it's too hot. But we also got to watch how much stuff we have on us if it weights us down and causes problems with the gate also. But be careful with that. So make sure you got comfortable, well-warming clothes instead of a bunch of layers of clothes that aren't made for winter or thermal at all. So it's always worth spending an extra couple bucks to get a nice little outfit that you can take out and about and not have to worry about the problems with it. Stock up on winter clothes like boots, hats, mittens, and sweaters and anything with a hood. That's good suggestion, especially if you do it in the fall. You're going to pay more money, so if you catch it in spring, get yourself prepared for the following year. You can get those deals when all the stores are putting stuff away. Uh, make sure your home is stocked so you can avoid going outside in the worst weather. It's like I knew there was a storm coming this week, so... Last weekend, we went and did a big shopping spree to get all stocked up. And, of course, there's like three items that I wish I would have picked up. Which if I absolutely need them, I'll get them. But otherwise, I can wait till Saturday when we go to the dump and run our errands. And I can stop and pick up whatever else I need. So that way, I don't have to worry about it next week since it's going to be close to zero out. <clears throat> My car is not going to want to start half the time with that. And then I'm not going to want to run around in that with my MS issues, so stay away from the worst weather, stay inside, bundle up, buckle up, lock yourself away, uh, fill your pantry and freezer with meats and frozen soups, stock up on Kleenex, toilet paper, basic cold and flu medications, Stay active to keep your body warm and help minimize muscle stiffness. Keep the home warm as best as possible. Make sure not to make the temperature too hot because heat can exasperate MS symptoms. As I can, if I have too warm of a shower all of a sudden, I, for 53 years, same shower routine my whole life, but sit there and 
get overheated in the shower and I'll forget how to do do my hair or forget how to do my regular routine or end up doubling up on something or forget something. So be careful with that also. Uh, annual neurologist visits in the fall before the bad weather starts is a good idea just so you don't have a trip that you have to take in the middle of winter to an appointment get all your appointments done i usually in the new year i'll start off right away in around february and start hitting a lot of my doctor appointments get them out of the way by summer i like to get them done by may by her birthdays so that way i don't have to worry about too much during the summer maybe one or two visits I usually got like my neuro or my my uh, urologist and my cardiologist. I usually do about midsummer around July ish. Uh, that way, I could have my body tested for certain things and that might be affected more in the middle of summer. So that way, I know that that I'm definitely at my limits with anything, and if I can get off a of medication, it's a great thing. So I try and push for that, but. Now that we're doing these virtual appointments, we're not able to push for those things like I used to because they also got to check certain vitals in order to okay backing off or getting rid of a medication or something like that. So, But I like to get most of my appointments done the first three to five months of the year. That way, if I have any deductibles, they're wiped out with my tax money and hopefully by the second half of the year i got my deductible covered and i don't have to worry about paying for any emergency appointments and stuff like that other than walking costs and things like that so that's a thing to take into consideration too <coughs> excuse me uh ask for help help with shoveling help with preparing for winter uh Winterizing the home, winterizing the windows, getting your snow removal set up for the winter. Uh, yeah, I'd say snow and ice removal is your main thing. Make sure you have, I like to keep at least one big bag of uh, sidewalk salt. Just so in case we have a bad icy week or something, you can... At least get the walkways covered. It's also good if you can afford to do it and have a house that's so much easier to do it on. I can't do it on this house because the the window framework and all that is so deteriorated and shot that I don't think the 3M style window plastic seals would work good i'd have to do more like put them all on the outside the house maybe so that way you don't have to seal them seal them but it blocks it blowing in through the main vitals but it's like every outlet in this house i can walk up to and put my hand by and feel that cold air blowing through it same with the windows and i'm 53 years old stuff rots out the frame wood framework and stuff will right away and they'll get more and more air leaks so if you can get those all sealed with like the 3m style or whatever the plastic sheeting is uh, 
that's a good thing to do and that can help keep your home a little bit warmer uh, make sure you have uh, towels or not towels blankets everywhere just to throw on you if you need need be we we love my wife loves her blankets so we got <laughs> blankets everywhere you can look uh, add an extra blanket to the bed in winter time it's extra weight extra heat which is nice other than that and just bundle up and keep warm and try and stay out of that damn cold but you gotta go out and do stuff so find your best way to get out there make sure you got decent adequate adequate clothes and they're comfortable and warm and that can help out a lot that can be a big bonus so all right check out another thing here what do we got some stem cell treatment stuff what we should know it's like ms well we know all that is an immune mediated disease involving demyelination in the central nervous system symptoms may include fatigue balance coordination issues vision problems and lots of other things Treatment, you had disease-modifying therapies, all kinds of different ones this day and age. There's probably close to 20 of them now, if not more. Stem cells are undifferentiated cells. They're able to develop into any kind of cell. Scientists can manipulate stem cells into specialized cells. Once implanted, they can replace or help repair damaged cells. Stem cell therapy may reset the immune system in people with MS. Hematopoietic stem cells can, I think that's the HSCTZ or HSCT thing, cells, can develop into all types of blood cells within the blood and immune system. Autologulus means that the therapy uses your own stem cells rather than donor cells. There's different types of stem cell therapies, aside from hematopoietic stem cells they, that can develop into all types of blood cells. There's also mesenchymal stem cells. These are adult stem cells found in several places in the body, including the bone marrow, skin, and fat tissues. Uh, They've had tons of clinical trials exploring the safety and feasibility of these particular stem cells and found it's beneficial for people with MS. Stem cell therapy effective for MS. Uh, let's see, we don't care really about 2017, 2020 cells. And they're basically saying... Yeah, they're looking at 40 to 60% of people saying they were, it was more effective to do stem cell therapy, but they're not giving us the part that's, I want to know. I want to know 10 to 15 years out 
how these people are doing. Uh, the HS, AHSCT is a one-time treatment. It takes many steps. It's an experimental treatment. You gotta go through the preparation. You'll take medication that stimulates production of blood producing stem cells. And then another medication will help move them from bone marrow into the bloodstream. Your doctor will harvest the new stem cells from your blood and freeze them. This takes five to 15 days. The I had to check my timer there for a second. I thought it stopped. You'll do chemotherapy in the hospital. You'll get intensive chemotherapy to, to destroy existing immune cells. Your doctor will introduce the stem cells into a vein via transplant. The immune system rebuild. Your body will start producing new white blood cells. It takes about three to six months for the immune system to rebuild itself. Your hospital stay may last three weeks or so. Everybody I've heard is usually in for about a month. You'll also need follow-up visits in several years. for several years. This includes medical evaluations, MRIs, and blood tests. People who most likely benefit from stem cell therapy are people who have relapsing MS, are under 45 years old, can get around independently, have had MS for less than 10 years, despite the use of DMTs, have had at least two clinical relapses in the previous year with evidence of disease activity on MRI. Before you can move forward, you got to have an electrocardiogram, ECT, imaging test, blood test to check your, that you're in good general health. It's like... So it's basically if you're in a healthier aspect of MS, then stem cell therapy is for you. But if you're in the more unhealthy aspect of MS, then it's not for you. Uh, it's generally considered safe, but there's risks, uh, some health potential complications are myelospression with neutropenia, anemia, low platelet count, mouse sores, graft versus host disease. <clears throat> they say in 2020, the cost of an AHSCT was around $150,000 for that therapy. However, other research points to a cost between $7,000 to $10,000 per treatment. And it depends where you go. And a lot of people I know are going to Mexico to get it done or other countries. So they do that because of the cost. And is it safe? And you don't, you're at risk. You're worried about the risks and the complications and things that could happen. But I don't know. I myself, I've never had it done. So I can't give you any real answers to it, but everything I've seen, and you look at some of these stars that have had it done that were fastly advancing through their diagnosis, 
and they get all amped and ready to go. They do it. They think everything's great. They promote it. They talk about it. And then we don't hear about them for a while. Why? Well, they've been suffering, <laughs> relapsing, having a bunch of issues and stuff like that. Other people seems to have helped them with some gait and cognitive problems and things and made them better, but they still have issues. So, I mean, the cost isn't a big deal because you look at therapies and I know the one therapy I was on was about $70,000 a year. So it's like $150,000 for a one-time treatment or whatever. It's worth that chance, that risk, especially if you're paying out of pocket for a lot of things. You may want to go that route if you're able to afford it. But I just feel, I don't know, someone's got to, someone out there has to say, hey, I had stem cell research and I'm doing great. But I haven't heard that person. I haven't seen that person. I would hope there'd be more than one that we're trying to find to give us that result. But I've heard about stem cell for the past 10 years like crazy. Heard lots about it. But I'm not seeing people with the results. So if you're not seeing that, it's kind of like, to me, the same thing with laser eye surgery. I know people that had it. After 10 to 12, 15 years, your eyes start reverting back. So I'd like to get it done, but when do you do it? Do you do it earlier than later? you want your eyes working better later in life or earlier in life? <clears throat> do you want to risk waiting to the point that you can't have it done because your eyes got too bad? And those are all the options that that you got to look at the same way with stem cell therapy and they'll only do it for relapse and remitting patients. They won't do it for secondary progressive or primary progressive, but yet some of the people I've known that have had it done were definitely in secondary progressive stage, at least if not on the verge of primary progressive. So you got to think about that and take that into consideration. It's, It's a big cost. It's a big risk. It's a month of losing your bodily functions, getting chemotherapy, probably losing your hair, going through all the different medical treatments and stuff that are going to cause all kinds of issues with your body for a month or so. And then you got to hope that after that you're doing better and then you got another six months or so to see how things go and then you're going to have tests forever see how things are advancing or decreasing and I don't know I just I really want to see a handful of people come on my tv screen and say hey I had H-A-H-S-C-T and I feel great but yet that doesn't mean shit to me either because I constantly see these DMT or DMD therapy commercials for things like ms where you see these people dancing around living their life having a great time it's like 
do you even have MS? And if you did, did you ever hit a stage where you're actually dealing with a lot of issues? Or are you a freshly diagnosed person that may have it or may just have Lyme disease? And you're not feeling the physical effects that some others do. And I don't know. I was on Copaxone for a couple of years. I was on Ocrevus. Neither one did shit for me. All that just caused me more issues and more pain. I did Mavenclad. First year sucked. Second year was better. Halfway through the second year, started feeling better than I felt in a good 15 years or so. And now I'm on no therapy. And I'm doing better than I was when I was on Copaxone and or Ocrevus. Or the first year of Mavenclad. So I don't know. I always looked at before Mavenclad was available in the United States. And I was researching it when people were using it over other countries. I was highly impressed with it. I'm like, this is my way to get a DMT that is kind of the closest thing to stem cell therapy that I have available. So that's why I took it and I'm very glad I did. And I'm hoping it did do a reset on my system and I hope it did kill off some of the bad cells and won't bring back new bad cells, but I'm out of time. So rate, review, tell a friend, subscribe, help us out. We need some followers. Mention us in your little websites and stuff that you hang out on with multiple sclerosis. We need the people to get it, keep us going. So we'll talk to you again soon. Bye.